You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello, and welcome to Triviality, the 10th film by master filmmaker Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> my name is Ken. I'll uh, start start us off today by introducing my uh, co-hosts in the studio, Neil and Jeff. How you doing, guys? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm a little perturbed at the amount of feet in this episode. <laughs> I was actually hoping this would be a silent film. Yes. There's a lot of F-bombs and a lot of bare feet that have somehow walked through a desert, it seems, and they're su- super dirty. So I, I feel like I'm really um, kind of making Jeff get used to the fact that I'm going to screw up the catchphrase all the time. Right. He's no longer getting angry at me. That's all right. He just, he just takes it... Uh, takes it from your account yeah much like uh quentin tarantino it, you just wait because you know the violence is coming and the feet shots yeah yes exactly there's, there's a max <laughs> level of feet shots in this new one right there there was once upon uh, a time yeah i i assume there would be one or two or maybe two but I think there, we got three right there, there was more than three i can there, think of four off the top of my yeah, head. yeah there was yeah there was way too many way too many shots of feet well that's uh, very that's, that's your opinion well, <laughs> Neil hates feet. We know that, right? Yes, I don't want to see bare you have, feet. You have the opposite of a foot fetish. That's correct. I never even have my own feet unsocked or shoed. <laughs> That's impressive. So, How do you change your socks if they get dirty? I change them, but I it's a system where I put it on top of the other sock and then the other one dissipates <laughs> from the sweat. Oh, weird. It's a never nude foot. <laughs> Speaking of uh, foot fetishes, where is Matt? Well, uh, since this is a Quentin Tarantino-themed uh, game, Matt was it's so... It's not, though. It's not, but he was so interested by the uh, <laughs> by the Manson family that he went to the Spawn Ranch in Hollywood where they used to shoot westerns, where the Manson family uh, had their, their HQ, and he's going there for some inspiration um, to write an autobiography on Marilyn Manson, which he doesn't know the difference between Charlie Manson and mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson, but gotcha. we didn't want to say anything. Marilyn Manson's <laughs> the one with the rib, right? Yes, right. The <laughs> which, one with the which one is totally rib. made up. By the, the one way. rib. Anyways, uh, we do have a Matt with us today, though, and yes. that's Matthew Nobby coming to us from Houston, Texas, and he's an intercontinental champion. Thank you, Matt. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, you've written our game today, right? I have, and it is not Quentin Tarantino themed, unfortunately. Right, exactly, right. I, I don't know where all this came from, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'll be a senior in the fall at Texas A&M University. Um, for the past summer, I've been working in an oil and gas construction company, and uh, I'm a big fan of trivia, have been ever since middle school, 
And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Great. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today and for your Patreon support. And uh, joining, I think, Neil's team today. It's mm-hmm. going to be Neil and uh, this gentleman versus Jeff and I. But it's Kelly Fitzgerald from Buffalo, New York. And he's the United States uh, champion. Thank you so yeah. much. And thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I am from Buffalo and I am currently working in a school. So I'm basically just enjoying my lazy summer, just kind of doing a lot of hobbies and whatnot. Okay, nice. Yeah, Yeah. as it should be. That's good. What kind of hobbies? Um, Well, a little nerdy, but I've been reading a lot of Shakespeare, um, doing a lot of chess and working out. There you Great. go, man. Sounds good. That's like the the original <laughs> Jersey Shore Jim Tan Laundry. Shakespeare working out and and chess. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's going to do it as uh, Samuel L. Jackson or Kurt Russell or as Quentin Tarantino himself. But let's toss it over to the rules guy for voiceover. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I don't know. It sounded like uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, poor choice of trying to do an Australian accent in Django Unchained. Oh, That's yeah. what it sounded like. Mm. That one was pretty bad. So uh, I think uh, me and Jeff are going to be Quentin Tarantino's Australian accent. Ooh, that's a good team name. Uh, Kelly, what are you thinking? I do like the fact that you're reading some Shakespeare right now. How about uh, let's be, uh, what's the name of the queen in Hamlet? I can't remember right now. Gertrude? Gertrude, yeah. How about uh, queen for chess? So Queen Gertrude's traps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Okay. All right. We'll be Queen Gertrude's traps. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Well, without further ado, let's toss it back over to Matt and get started. All right. Uh, So question number one of round one uh, category is everything's made up. Famous for his bald head and improv, Colin Mockery was a regular on Whose Line It Is Anyway. While playing greatest hits with fellow star Ryan Stiles, Colin created a memorable segue. Colin segues from bed cut Philly paper to what band? So we're looking for a segue from bed cut Philly paper? Correct. To a band. So he segues from bed cut Philly paper to uh, a specific band. Oh, I okay. Do you think you might know it, Kelly? Yes. Okay. How about I'll, we don't have we probably don't have to discuss it because I, I really don't have an idea. But do you want to just lock in for us? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I can't remember this particular episode, Jeff. Do you have any ideas? No, I'm really I'm really struggling on this one. Um, I mean, I remember watching a bunch of Who's Line when I was a kid, but I just let's say uh, Wayne Brady's Magnificent Vocal Chords. All right, what were you thinking, Kelly? Um, I was thinking he wanted it to rhyme, so Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, good logic there. All right, and it is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That is correct. Nice. Mm. Nice well job. Done. Thanks. Awesome. All right, question number two. Japanese art, sort of. Uh, thought up by John Boyce, scoregami is the art of building final scores that have never happened before in NFL history. Which of the following is a prime example of a scoregami? 70 to 27, 59 to 23, or 49 to 40? Jeff, just uh, pick one. Okay, we're locked in. <laughs> Kelly, uh, what's your train of thought on this? Um, I'm trying to do some math here, but it's not working. Give you a clue. They're all possible. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess yeah, it's... That's... I think from a logic standpoint, uh, trivia logic, you know, 70 to 27, initially you're like, there's no way someone scored 70 points, but it's making me think of like 1920s football when no right. one was really great. And so, you know, like a, like a Red Granger or something could have just like tore up a team. So that one I, I kind of dismiss immediately because I think it's a trick. Pass me the ball, yeah. see? Yeah, pass me the ball. I just go get a hat <laughs> cut and a beer. Pass me the ball. Um, and then... Uh, uh, do you need someone to do your taxes? I'm also an accountant. <clears throat> uh, but um, so 59-23, 49-40. I'm kind of between those two. I don't know why. I feel like I've heard 49-40, but I, I don't know why that's sticking out to me. So I'm not sure. Where, where's your head at? Yeah, like on first glance, I find it hard to believe that that wouldn't be. But yeah, yeah, I would I would probably go 49-40, I guess. Okay, I'm between that and fifty nine twenty three. If if you want to, ra- yeah. if you'd rather go fifty nine twenty three, we can do that. No, let's do forty nine forty. Okay, all right, we're locked in, and we're going fifty nine twenty three. All right, so I asked for the prime example, and it would be fifty nine twenty three. Oh. Both of those being prime numbers. This never happened in the NFL history. Oh, prime! <laughs> Good job, oh. us. <laughs> That's just prime. All right. Uh, question number three. Where's the money? In the movie The Big Lebowski, the dude enjoys a few white Russians while trying to get his rug back that really tied the room together. Mod shows the dude a porno that features Bunny Lebowski and a cable man that shows to, uh, shows up to fix the cable. What is the name of that porno? Oh, I, I think I'm good to lock in on this okay. one. Oh, I feel bad, Callie, because this, uh, this is one movie that is a blind spot in my movie knowledge. Um, I have seen it, but it's been way too long yeah i mean so, I, I saw it in high school and i yeah i do not know it as well like one of my friends it's his favorite movie of all time so he knows it back, right. backwards and forwards yeah. but uh, so, probably called queen gertrude's traps yeah <laughs> exactly uh it's, i mean if it's a cable guy i guess we could say um um how about cord cutters i don't know it doesn't sound <laughs> like a porno but <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> Cord cutter sounds like a, a cautionary tale about getting your tubes tied. Um, so yeah, let, we'll just say cord cutters. Why not? All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how this relates to um, cable as well, but for some reason the term log jammers was just sticking in my head. Pretty sure it's somewhere in Big Lebowski. So he said log jammers. So it's log jamming, uh, which is pretty close. It's up to y'all if you want to give it to him, but uh, the official title was log jamming. Hmm. That's up to you, host, you'll, host you'll discretion. Okay. Oh, I don't care. I'll say, yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with cable, so I'll give it to him. It was okay. close enough. <laughs> Sorry, Callie. That's my blind That's spot fine. there. Thanks That's for fine. the points. This is a trivia where we would write the end of it real vaguely to see log, if we could... Log jamming. <laughs> <laughs> log jamming featuring a uh, score by Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> Bunny, Bunny Lebowski and um, Peter Stormare. Yeah. yeah, see, I know that, Callie. Uh, word, <laughs> but, you know. He's a nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number four. Eighth wonder of the world. The Memphis Pyramid, known to the locals as the Pyramid, has had many uses since its opening in November 9th, 1991, for being a basketball arena to a music venue and now a Bass Pro Shop. And speaking of music, what old-time rock and roll band is said to be the last to perform inside the Pyramid on February 3rd, 2007? I think I have an idea, Kelly, but we can... I can do I. Um, talk it out with you. It's up to you then. Okay. Lock it. Lock it in. Okay, we'll lock in. Uh, so, Kelly, I'm thinking uh, his clue: old time rock and roll, which is Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. I don't yeah, know. I couldn't remember the name, but yeah. 
Okay, so I'm not sure if he's just looking for Silver Bullet Band, but I, I would assume it's Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Are you okay to lock that in? Yes. All right, that's our answer. And we too went Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. And it is, in fact, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. I put that in there uh, just if you pick it up. Way to turn the page on so, that question. So now we know there's there's, <laughs> there's hints in these. Questions. I know he, they're really well written too, and I I was not like paying attention to the details. Yeah, if the game goes on long enough, we'll have to watch out for his night moves. Because the <laughs> exactly because the devil is uh, the devil's in the details and is also sitting next to me. Are we done? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> All right, Matt. Question five, please. All right, question five, Seeking Verification. Started back in August of 2017, this popular meme has now amassed over 43,000 Twitter followers. You may have seen their posters, stickers, or even their billboard in Memphis, but tell me what these jokesters claim aren't real, that the government created a spy on us. Uh, I have an idea, Callie, just as like a a really bad guess. I mean, it seems too simple, but um, I can just lock it in if you want. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Nothing's coming. Yeah, I'm completely lost here. Um, what were the government used to spy on us? Cell phones. Cell phones aren't real? I, I can't remember the joke. I was thinking something along something those lines. something really absurd, like something that's really like physical and right. palpable. I, I don't know. Let's let's just guess cell phones. Okay. I, I'm not going to come up with it. I'm too far away. Yeah, I was too far away too. I just put aliens aren't real. I know it's not right. But. So it's birds aren't real. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> They have little uh, cameras inside their heads, a bunch of pigeons, you know, pull their head back and there's a camera sticking out. That's right. Oh, man. Never heard of it. Looks like after five questions, uh, QT's Aussie accent has 30 points and Queen Gertrude's Traps has 20 points. So pretty close game so far. Yeah, we're going to have to do a little bit more heavy lifting here to get back in the game. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number six. Whales are killer. Released in July of 2013, the CNN Films documentary follows the life of Tilikum, a captive killer whale that has taken the lives of several people. Name this documentary that makes people ask the question, why does SeaWorld exist? believe we are locked in on this one. Hold on, I've just got to pull it out of my head. It's uh, cast a reel in there, see if you can <laughs> draw it out. It's one about the SeaWorld killer whale, I think, that everyone saw it and then they were... No one wanted to go to SeaWorld anymore. Um, it's Black oh. Dahlia. Swan. <laughs> <laughs> We're really going to screw him up. Oh, or we'll lead him right to the answer. He's doing the alphabet. Here we go. Not Black Water. Back in Black. Black Fish. It's not Black Fish. Oh, this is going to kill me. Oh, it's, I can see the poster too. Black Fish. Is it just Black Fish? I guess we're just going to go black, black fish. Final answer. Yeah. It's black fish. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you were going to jump off of it. It is black fish. I was hoping you would jump off of it. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. At least we got it. So it's good. <laughs> Long last. All right. Question number seven. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Black fish. <laughs> uh, born in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1904, this children's author has written and illustrated over 60 books. Name this author who's written books such as The Cat in the Hat and The Lorax under the pen name Dr. Seuss. Uh, we're good. You remember his name? Yeah. Okay. We're locked in. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Theodore Geisel. Oh, good. Because I, I was 
going to make the mistake of, and the first thing that popped in my head was Eli Weisel, who wrote um, the... Eli <laughs> Wiesel. Yes, Eli Wiesel, yeah. And I always confuse that name with Theodore Geisel, but you're, you're absolutely Two right. Two very different. Two content. very different. Um, so yeah, let's go with your answer, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, we said Theodore, quote unquote, Seuss Geisel. And that is correct. Theodore Seuss Geisel is his full name. So wait, what's the quote unquote for? Like he actually wasn't Dr. Seuss? Like there was a pen, a pseudonym? Uh, I can't remember if Seuss was his middle name or if that was just a pen name. He, I don't believe he was a doctor in any capacity, but... Seuss was his middle name. That, that, yeah, it was Theodore yeah. Seuss Geisel. Okay. He's a doctor of whimsy. What type of center okay. do you go to with your card to get something from a doctor of whimsy? What would that be? What? If you have a medical <laughs> card for a doctor of whimsy, what would he give you? What would he prescribe? Just uh, rhymes or... Psychedelics. I guess psychedelics, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Or a Lorax. Take this Lorax and it's just Danny DeVito in your hand. <laughs> I want to go to a laundromat. I like trees. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number eight. The City of Lights. Located in the northern part of France, it's the capital city of Paris. Home to attractions such as the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre, it's the largest city in France. But tell me, within two, how many Parises are in the United States? And this is according to uh, geotarget.com. Just guess, Jeff, and lock it. Um, Paris Hilton. Um... (laughs) I'm curious. Michael Jackson's daughter. Yes. Write down a number. I'm going to write down a number and I want to see where we're at. Uh, nice. It was not that number. Oh. I mean, niece. Okay. Nice. So there's, there's one number in between <laughs> our two numbers. All right. Do it. Done. Okay. So Kelly, um, actually, uh, Matt, just to confirm, you just want within how many? Within two. Within two. Okay. So I know there's Paris, Texas. It was, yeah. a, mo- it was a movie. Um, Damn, Neil and his movie knowledge. Do you know any other Parises? I know there's like another one in the in the Heartland. I think like in Missouri or Kansas or something. I can't think of any others, but I don't know. I was just thinking like maybe five. I like I, yeah. I was thinking similar. So I mean, if we go three, we can get five, and we can. Well, I know there's one for sure in Paris, Texas, and I yeah. think there's two. So do you want to go three, and then we'll get five and one? Sure. Okay, yeah. that's our answer. We went a little higher. Um, we thought maybe there's a bunch of them we just haven't heard of, so we said 10. So there are actually 22 Parises <laughs> in the United States. Wow. And like four of them are in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> that's really confusing. That is that is really, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, huh. All right, question number nine. Taxes are the worst. In the game of Monopoly, friendships are ruined and families are torn apart. And while it's one of my favorite games, I always hate when I land on the luxury tax. Name the two original properties that are on either side of the luxury tax. I think I know it. All right, I'm leaving it to Jeff on this one, so we're going to lock in with whatever Jeff writes. Yeah, friendship ruiner, that game is. I don't know anything about Monopoly. I I, uh, don't share Matt's enthusiasm for it, uh, just because I'm not good (laughs) at it. Um, I know some of the the names of places uh do you how about you um yeah i know some of the names but i couldn't really place where they are on the board is there one that's like saint something there is what is it and i'm thinking oh, is it saint james place yeah right, let's go with saint james place because that's an old one i feel like that's an original and okay. then maybe just for the fact that pennsylvania avenue is where the white house is we'll go with that one okay does that sound okay yeah, it sounds good. Okay, those are ours. Those two. are orange and green tiles, so I don't think they are adjacent. But um, 
Originally, I was thinking uh, the obvious choice was between Boardwalk and Park Place, but I thought that was, um, I thought there's like maybe a chance or something there. Um, so we went with Mediterranean and Baltic Avenues. Ooh, you should have went with your first thought. It was Boardwalk and Park Place. Darn. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea what you guys were saying, but a Park Place I know is an old one. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. Second guess myself. It's okay. You are the Monopoly expert. Not really. <laughs> All right, question number 10, Who Run the World? Created and starring Rachel Bloom, this TV show follows the life of the Harvard and Yale-educated Rebecca Bunch. Name this show that premiered on October 12th, 2015 on The CW. I know this one, Callie, if you don't know it. I do not. Okay, we're going to lock in over here with uh, Queen Gertrude's Traps. And uh, we're good, too. Yeah? I'm a, yeah, I'll leave it to you. You don't know? Okay. I don't remember. It's a crazy ex-girlfriend. It's uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's crazy ex-girlfriend that is correct at the end of round one looks like we have taken a slight lead at QT's Aussie accent with 60 points Queen Gertrude's traps needs to do a few more shrugs they have 50 <laughs> points so it's pretty hot today outside Ken and uh, I know you were fiending some ice cream yesterday because it was hot yesterday as well um, did you end up getting that vegan ice cream that you were searching high and low for yeah so I kind of had a bad day the other day and I was uh I was really hoping to get some of that vegan ice cream from Baskin Robbins that they just introduced. So I drive down there, which is very uncharacteristic, me just going out for ice cream. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was in a bad mood, need some sugar. Uh, I go there. I look at the signs. I go, is this the vegan one? They go, yeah. I go, this one right here, right? No dairy. Yeah. Okay, I'll have that one. So I get my scoop. I go into my dark car. I open it up. I start eating. Uh by the time I get home, it's like half gone. I look at it and there's like Oreos in it. And there's not supposed to be Oreos in the vegan kind. So I'm like, this is dairy. I'm going to have a stomach ache. But I still want the vegan ice cream. So I go back. I go through the drive-thru this time. I was like, hey, I'm just here. Um, I don't think you gave me the vegan kind. I think your tubs are switched up according to the signs. Um, can I have the vegan kind? She comes back with a cup of the same kind. So I pull around again. Finally, third time's a charm. Got my vegan ice cream. <laughs> Didn't even want it at that point. It was an hour later. My stomach hurt from the dairy. Did Did you eat it or no? I had about half of it. Was it? How was it? It was fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. It was as all that for something. It was just okay. I guess it probably would have been better had I not uh, chased it with real ice cream. Well, I guess uh, anyone who's looking forward to Baskin Robbins vegan ice cream, uh, you just go to Whole Foods and pick up. A... <laughs> you heard it here first. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> that's hilarious i'm looking forward to these impossible whoppers though yeah burger king yeah. yeah see how that goes we can play impossible whopper where i get one and you try to get it and i won't let you have it <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to rappel down from the ceiling on a cable <laughs> okay matt so uh, what do you have in store for us for the swing round today Yep, the swing round's titled, They Drive a What? So I'm going to give you a car and the actor or actors who drove it, and I'm going to need you to give me the name of the film that it appears in. This is going right. to be a team effort if there ever was one, Ken. <laughs> this is all Kelly. <laughs> all right, so um, number one is a green 1986 Chrysler Baron Town & Country, driven by John Candy and Steve Martin. Number two a blue 1967 Plymouth Belvedere GTX, driven by David Spade and Chris Farley. Number three, a red 1961 Ferrari 250 GT SWB California Spider, driven by Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Number four, 
four is a black 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am driven by Burt Reynolds. Number five is a red 2006 Subaru Impreza WRX GD driven by Ansel Elgort. Number six is a yellow 1977 Chevy Camaro driven by Shia LaBeouf. Number seven, a green 1979 Ford LTD Country Squire Station Wagon driven by Chevy Chase. Number eight, a black and white 1974 Dodge Monaco, driven by John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Number nine, a cream 1963 Volkswagen Beetle, driven by Lindsay Lohan. And number 10, an orange 1969 Dodge Charger, driven by Sean William Scott and Johnny Knoxville. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. While we think through these answers, it would not really be a, a episode of Triviality unless I plugged Patreon, right, Ken? It would behoove you to talk about Patreon. <laughs> As it is the support system for our show. So if you're interested in supporting the show uh, directly or the monetary uh, monthly subscription, you can do so at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Link is in the show notes. And for your donation to us, uh, there's a lot of great perks there, including bonus episodes. We mail out stickers and letters to our patrons. Uh, we give you a shout out on Facebook. There are just so many things there and there's something for everybody. So if you want to check us out, please do. We'd be very grateful for your support. Yeah. And we were just talking about how Matt selected Jeff's uh, special character box and he'll be getting that in the mail shortly. That is and, correct. Uh, uh, Intercontinental few- champions get to select uh, one of their hosts and we curate a special box, which we ship to the patron. And he made a huge mistake by picking Jeff, mm-hmm. we think. I mean, at most he made a tiny, huge mistake. Should have picked Ken. And uh, Cal- Callie's getting a poster in the mail, which is good, uh, as well as Matt. But uh, no, those posters turned out really well. They did. They They're signed by all of us. Uh, whichever one you choose, we've got a couple different options there. Jeff right. is by far in the lead in terms of uh, character boxes. I think he is. Yeah, you're right. He is in the lead. I'm last. Uh, Matt's second. <laughs> Matt and, <laughs> Matt and uh, Ken are second. They wasted no time pointing that out. <laughs> uh, one of the great things about Patreon, too, while we're on the subject, today we're actually going to be fulfilling a couple of the wagers that we had uh, a while back. So uh, Finally. If, finally. If you're a patron subscriber, Patreon subscriber, um, you're going to see the video of Matt and Ken getting a pie in the face. Oh, yeah. And you're also going to see a video of me and Ken playing DDR. So that's uh, exclusively on So I've got the hardest, uh, hardest job today. 
Hard, yeah, exactly. So it should be fun. So yeah, that's join us over there, just like our uh, our guest and host today. All right, let's review this swing round and uh, see how we did. All right, so number one was a green 1986 Chrysler Baron Town and Country, driven by John Candy and Steve Martin. Uh, we said that was planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, featuring a character named Neil. That would be planes, trains, and automobiles. That's correct, planes, trains, and automobiles. All right, number two, a blue 1967 Plymouth Belvedere GTX, driven by David Spade and Chris Farley. For this one, uh, we were between Black Sheep and Tommy Boy, and we felt uh, Tommy Boy was the more uh, popular of the two, so we went with Tommy Boy. And we also had Tommy Boy. And Tommy Boy is correct. Did you eat paint uh, chips num- as a kid? <laughs> I just love that line. <laughs> By the way, as he's reading the car, he might as well be like, and then I just hear the actors. <laughs> That's how the question sounds to me. <laughs> All right, number three, a red 1961 Ferrari 250 GT SWB California Spider, driven by Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I knew this one without the actor hint. Uh, this is the car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, you were a little unsure at the end of that name there, I think. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Correct, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All oh, right, number four. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Because <laughs> you're like Ferris Bueller's. I'm like that all the time. Day in school. I'm not a parade <laughs> float. Did he go to school? Did he? I'm not a parade off? float leader, Neil. Just a you guy know, in a studio. You know who has a cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Who uh, makes out with Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing? Right, Bueller's sister. No. All right, put this in your pipe and smoke it and remember it. Charlie <laughs> Charlie Sheen, Jeff. Charlie oh, Sheen. that's right. Yep. <laughs> I'm more of the Ben Stein cameo kind of guy. All right, number four, a black 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am driven by Burt Reynolds. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you all right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. I thought you said Burnt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, maybe now. <laughs> <laughs> he is smoky. I was going to say uh, we're headed eastbound and down with this one, I think. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, we said Smokey and the Bandit. We also said Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit is correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, a red 2006 Subaru Impreza WRX GD. Yep. This is one of my favorite movies from that year, Baby Driver. Yep. Uh, also, my probably one of my favorite movies of that year, too. I dressed up as him for Halloween with Colleen. It was Baby Driver. You were, you were Ansel Elgort in The Fault in Our Stars? I was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I chopped off part of my leg. Put that scorpion on your jacket, right? <laughs> yeah, I put the scorpion on the back of my jacket. And, Wait a uh, minute. And then I stole a painting called the Goldfinch. And yeah, oh, This is all screwed up. <laughs> You're just an Ansel Elgort Halloween costume. All of his roles in one, which is not that many. Listen, but drive. That's yeah, Ryan Gosling. That's Ryan Clefcorn Meyer's favorite costume is Ansel Elgort. <laughs> Alrighty, number six, a yellow 1977 Chevrolet Camaro driven by Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, there's more than meets the eye to this question. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a Chevrolet advertisement with explosions in the background. Right, Transformers. And also Transformers here. Yes, it was Transformers. <laughs> I used to be able to do the noise really good and I can't do it now. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just sound like I'm like a parent in a Peanuts cartoon. The muted, the muted trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> All 
Alrighty, number seven, a green 1979 Ford LTD Country Squire station wagon driven by Chevy Chase. Uh, we're going to go with uh, National Lampoon Vacation. Oh, he 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 did the uh, he pulled it at the last second there. Yes, uh, despite it being summer, it is National Lampoon's Vacation. It is. I was I was hoping he wasn't going to put the summer in there. I'm happy he didn't. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of discussion between me and Jeff about uh, whether it was summer vacation or vacation, and uh, we agreed together it was summer vacation. But then uh, I just had a feeling, and I didn't. I, I wanted to seize the control away from Jeff. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eight, a black and white 1974 Dodge Monaco, driven by John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, this is. Sadly, the only one I could have come up with on my own, Blues Brothers. <laughs> it is, in fact, the Blues Brothers. I'm <laughs> really surprised. I thought you were a huge fan of this next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, number nine, a cream 1963 Volkswagen Beetle, driven by Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, I know Jeff's a fan of it. Well, I'm, I'm a fan of the originals, of course, but uh, no, we want Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, uh, this is Matt, even though he's not here. Uh, his favorite movie of all time, Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> yeah, I buy that. <laughs> he's got no taste. <laughs> Except disdain. Uh, number 10, an orange 1969 Dodge Charger, driven by Sean William Scott and Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, this one took me a second because this movie just got buried. But uh, Yep, this is, of course, Jessica Simpson's The Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Jessica Simpson, she directed it. <laughs> <laughs> a Jessica Simpson joint. Yep. And we also had Dukes of Hazard. And that is correct. I, when I was looking up this question, this movie has like a 13 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it was not well received. Yeah. It, it was not. No, you're right. So okay. I believe both teams were perfect in that swing round, right? Yeah. Is that the first time ever where both teams were perfect? Possibly. Uh, maybe. I'm pretty uh, pretty proud of that, though. It brings uh, QT's Aussie accent to 110 and Queen Gertrude's traps to 100. All right. And for round two, are we ready to go? Yes. Take it away. Yep. All right. Perfect. Uh, question number one. These is red bottoms. Christian Louboutin has been designing shoes since he was a teenager. Famed for bringing back the popularity of the stiletto, his shoes have been well known ever since. But what famous, <clears throat> excuse me, but what famous pop artist drawings gave the idea to Christian to add the red bottom? Is that all right? I've got no idea. You can go for all it. Right, we're locking in. Uh, so we're looking for the pop artist that inspired him to put the red on the bottom? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I hear pop artist, I think of Andy Warhol, but I don't know. If, do you have any other ideas? Uh, yeah, the only two that came to, came to mind were Andy Warhol, maybe like the Campbell Soup or uh, the ones with the same fa- Like basically our, our Patreon poster, actually, our Warhol poster. Um, yeah. Or not um, designed by Andy Warhol. Not designed by Andy Warhol. <laughs> um, or Lichtenstein uh, yeah, comes to mind. Yeah, because he he did like the comic influenced. Yeah, with all monster. the dots and stuff. And I didn't yeah. know if there was like a red thing in there, but I feel like you know it's probably like you said it's probably Warhol because he was a little bit more famous, I suppose. Yeah. If you're cool with that, I'm 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 good with your answer on that. Yeah, let's go with Warhol. You're okay. not going Banksy from the Girl with Red Balloon? Uh, we are not. <laughs> we are not. When I hear pop artists, I just go straight to Warhol, and I don't think about it too much. It was, in fact, Andy Warhol. It was his painting of, a, it was like either flowers or roses, but he credits Andy Warhol for the idea of the red bottom. Oh. Alrighty, question number two of round two. I can see clearly. Although usually dark brown, the iris can be a variety of colors, including blue or green. 
what land mammal has the largest eyes by size and has a pretty good field of view except for their blind spot directly in front and behind of them? It's just the size of the eye, not body size, but largest eyes by the, the physical size of the eye. Oh, okay. Trying to think of what direction the eyes are facing on all these animals. It's yeah. a little weird. Yeah, the can't see behind them is interesting. It's like, draw this from memory and it's all wrong, you know? <laughs> Speaking of what you're saying, I saw on Twitter someone had a, it was a real car, but and then someone put, this looks like the type of car you draw when you're a little kid, and it looked exactly like the box with, like, the weird wheels. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I'm going to lock in. So, Kelly, uh, I wrote down six possible answers. They could be off or on. I, I just It was just off the top of my head, and then we can hear what you think. Um, I just put okay. emu, ostrich, rhino, hippo, which I don't know if that's considered a land animal, probably not, elephant, and then horse. That's a fair question. So I'm not sure out of those if there's anything that makes sense in there or what you were thinking um clarification did you say land mammal or land animal land mammal okay so my thinking is elephants by the sheer size of them I, their eyes mm-hmm. are on the side um uh are they <laughs> i don't I, know i think i'm not sure maybe not maybe they aren't um i keep looking at animated images in i my really head. don't know what animals look like <laughs> yeah uh rhino i don't think they have particularly large eyes hippos do have big eyes but i don't think they're on the side maybe they aren't and then Horses, I just know, have huge eyes, and I feel like they don't like when you're behind them because they can't see you, and then they kick you, and if you're in front of them, that's they just use their eyes to like run straight. That guy in the uh, extra yeah. scene of um, The Last Samurai? Yes. In the cut scene? <laughs> she gets kicked in the groin by a horse. Um, Yikes. So what are you thinking, Kelly? Yeah, I was like trying to think of animals that move sideways, but not really getting anywhere with that train of thought. But I like the logic behind horse. Yeah, after talking with Jeff, uh, he provided some scientific explanations, and I said, uh, I remember these eyes being pretty big in the ring. Um, so we said, horse. And it is a horse. Yeah, what I made what made me think of it was uh, in War Horse, uh, Spielberg does a shot in the horse's eye, and you see the, the little girl in France open up the barn doors, and I was like, those are big eyes. So that's what made me think of it. <laughs> I know you had mentioned elephant, and when I was researching this, a lot of people commented, this made me realize how small elephants' eyes are (laughs) compared to everybody else's. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number three. That's a funny word. A bibliophile is someone who loves books. A logophile is someone who loves words. And a musicophile is someone who, well, loves music. But what does a pogonophile love? Someone who loves pogs. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Matt would definitely be that. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, and all I'm getting is pogo, as in pogo stick. So like someone who loves jumping, which would mean, yeah. you know. Uh. So I I don't know. I mean, I'll let you whatever you want to lock in with. I'm good with because I I'm sort of yeah, lost we're, on. We're the, gonna lock in. Very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, I'm not getting close to any of the etymology here. Uh. Yeah. Let's just lock in with jumping. Sure. And uh, we think a pogo file is somebody who loves System of a Down. <laughs> It's actually someone who loves beards. Oh. oh. I know a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of beards in the studio today. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, question number four. Science has gone too far. Ed Hedrick was once the head of research and development for Whammo, known for their creation of the hula hoop, the slip and slide, and the hacky sack. Whammo is a household name for children's toys. But what Whammo toy was Ed Hedrick turned into after his death in 2002? Oh, it was I, turned into. Yeah, I think I know this. 
I think I kind of know this one too. Turn him into a Mr. Potato Head. Just start sticking stuff in him. <laughs> I, I, sort of, in. I sort of remember hearing that now. I could be wrong. Do you have another idea? No. Okay. Um, what do you think, Kelly? I have like a random idea, but... I feel like there's one specific whammo toy that he didn't mention in the question that I can't remember. Well, when he said turned into, I was just trying to think of what you could do Koosh. to the to the, uh, the, the human body. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is the human body, um, the human body. Uh, and I was thinking maybe like Etch-A-Sketch. And I don't know if Whammo makes that or <laughs> Gross. if Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like ashes inside of an etch magnetized ashes. Well, maybe there's just one Etch-A-Sketch that has ashes and magnetized stuff in it, and uh, his family gets to like recreate his hey kids. His... You know when you shake the Etch-A-Sketch <laughs> and you hear the shaking? That's a person in there. <laughs> it's Grandpa. Hey, um, kids. Okay, so by the sound of this laughter, I must be way off, uh, like know. like Samsonite. I mean, it, it does make sense. Um, what I was other, thinking like a yo-yo or a frisbee or something. I was thinking frisbee or yo-yo as well. So, I mean, do you think that they could have, I don't know, um, like molded him into some sort of plastic then, I, I suppose? Or I'm just trying to think of a, of a Whammo product that would have like, um, I guess it wouldn't have ashes in it now. That would be insane. So, can, when I die, can you turn my skin into a paper that kids can puncture as part of like a light bright? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's like a dystopian movie. Um, <laughs> whatever you think, Callie, because I, I must be way off if, if people are laughing at my Etch-A-Sketch idea. Um, let's go with Frisbee. Frisbee? Okay. That's really funny. I I'm I thought I had heard that uh, the guy who invented the Pringles can was um, put into a can of Pringles, and the guy who invented the Frisbee was turned into a Frisbee, so we went Frisbee. And it is a Frisbee. <laughs> oh, nice job. <laughs> There was a lot of dark humor on this one. People were like, oh, no, don't get dad stuck on the roof. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can always play ultimate Frisbee with dad then. It's a Frisbee we <laughs> all shall return. Some people get really into him and start to froth. So. <laughs> don't froth. All right. Question number five. All aboard the USS Guppy. Captain Crunch is a popular cereals with varieties such as uh, Crunch Berries and Peanut Butter Crunch. But a little-known fact about the captain is that his real name is Horatio Magellan Crunch, named after Ferdinand Magellan. What is Ferdinand Magellan known for that was completed by Juan Sebastian Elcano? Yep. Okay, we're locked in. Didn't he die in the middle of circumnavigating the Earth? I believe so. Like he, I don't know what the simple answer would be, that he sailed around the world? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely not around the world in 80 days. That's for sure. No, <laughs> it was quite a few years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You want to go with that? Yeah. Serpent. yeah. Okay. I think he died near the Philippines if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, he's the, he's the one who gets all the credit for circumnavigating the globe, despite the fact that he died part of the way through it. So, yep. The, uh, guy in the box, Captain Crunch is known for uh, circumnavigating the earth. That's what he's known for. Even though he didn't complete it, it was completed by somebody else. I don't know what the big deal is. Don't most American babies get circumnavigated at birth? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really interested now how I could become famous for achieving something and then like die before I finish it, but still get all the credit. That sounds pretty sweet. Hey, every every bite of Captain Crunchers is just a little bit of Magellan in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Oh, uh, score recap, for... Ken? Score oh. recap? That's how you know it's the crunch. This episode is Oops All Triviality. <laughs> After five questions in round two, it looks like we are at 150 at QT's Aussie Accent and 140 for Queen Gertrude's Traps. All righty. Question number six, sports science. Back in 2011, in a soccer match between Claypool and Victoriano Arenas, super referee Damien Rubino handed out a few red cards. Well, not just a few, 36 to be exact. And speaking of 36, what element is number 36 on the periodic table? Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got our guest locked in. Yeah, I, I don't know. What, um, what's your favorite with, favorite element? With, uh, Let's, it's not my favorite, but I, I'm feeling Mercury. Mercury? Okay. Mercury yeah. is in retrograde. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll lock in with uh, Kelly's answer of Mercury. I happen to know that Mercury is 80. Okay. Close. Yeah, close. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> But what I don't know is this one. I kept thinking with all the clues about being red, I thought maybe it was iron because iron's 26. But I can't remember if there's like if like the extra amount starts up in this next row or one more row after. So I got confused. I thought um, maybe we were around cobalt. So we guessed cobalt. So um, there was a hint in the question. I said super referee and the answer was krypton. Oh, okay. Number seven, cultural phenomenon. Between the years of 1969 and 1971, Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison died. And then in 1994, Kurt Cobain died. And then 17 years later, Amy Winehouse died. All these deaths have something in common. What is it? We're locked in. Yep. I think I know this, Callie. Yeah. Is it that they're um... all 23? Oh, I thought they were 27. Oh, maybe it's 27. No, yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah, Amy Winehouse was closer to 30. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was a, an age, but you're saying 27? Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's lock in with the age I'm currently right now. All right, 27. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> 12 years ago. 12. <laughs> yep, we locked in with uh, the 27 Club that they're all 27 years old. Yep, they were part of the 27 Club. And they were all 27 when they passed away. Oh, I'm thinking of the number 23, the Jim Carrey movie. That's what I had in my head. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. This is deja vu. I'm sure you said this exact thing last time this question came up. Alrighty, number eight. That speech was huge. This president's inauguration speech is the longest in history, totaling more than 8,400 words. But unlike his long speech, he had the shortest presidency in the history after dying just 31 days after he was inaugurated. Who is this president? I wish he didn't Jeff go that far, in. but... We'll take it. So this is the drunk history where the the guy got the flu or whatever from his speech because he was outside and it was got cold. Consumption. And he had no no jacket on or whatever, and then he died. Do you happen to know? Is it Buchanan, Van Buren? Uh, I I thought it was one of the Harrisons, either Harrison. Benjamin or William Henry. Okay. Um, so yeah, you might have you'd have a better uh, point of reference than I would. I know I know the person. I know the the history. So if you think it's a Harrison, I, I suppose we can't just say Harrison. That guy from Pawn Stars? <laughs> I don't know how Neil doesn't know this by now. I know. You guys talk about it all the time. That's why I keep saying, is it Buchanan? No. Maybe it is Harrison. Rutherford B. Hayes. That's not a president, is it? It is. It is. Oh, okay. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was a uh, like a funk star. Rutherford, P. Rutherford B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes. Chester Arthur. Um, um, yeah, whatever you want to go with. Okay, let's go with Benjamin Harrison. 
Okay. We're going to go with William Henry Harrison. Oh, no. <laughs> it was William Henry Harrison. Old Tippecanoe, right, Ken? Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. Sorry, Kelly. I, I, did, I just knew the history. I did not know uh, anything to help there. Oh, no. Sorry. I mixed them up. Yeah, he did have pneumonia. He was like 48 degrees outside, and he refused to wear a coat, hat, or gloves. Sounds like Jeff. For his entire Because it makes you look less cool. That yeah. makes so much sense. So if he was, was what, what would you say? What was the degrees? It's 48. So 48 degrees with, with no coat, and he died. No wonder 98 degrees never has a shirt on, because they're always hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to die so right now. the last time you make a Nicholas Shea joke <laughs> in my presence, Neil. Jessica Simpson is okay, right as established now. earlier maybe, in this game. Maybe just one night more. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to give you una noche, Neil. Get, get the f*** out of here. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, question number nine. That's who that is. This Anglo-Scottish actress was born November 5th, 1960 in London, England. She attended West Heath for a period of her childhood and was classmates with Princess Diana. And while studying politics at Cambridge, she joined the Communist Party. Name this actress who you probably know as the Ancient One. Uh, yeah. Uh, finally came around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you don't uh, know this one, Callie, I can Re- lock in. Reluctant. I do not. Okay. Um, we're going to lock in with uh, the actress who you're never quite sure if she's in the movie. And if she is in the movie, you don't know which character she is sometimes. Um, we're going to go with Tilda Swinton. Yep. Tilda ah. Swinton was in Doctor Strange as the Ancient One. So I'm glad uh, he finally dropped in that clue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was Tilda Swinton. Alrighty, question number 10. Out of this world. Launched in November of 1998, the International Space Station is a joint project between five space agencies, including NASA. But if you were to receive a call from the International Space Station, which American city's area code would you see? And I do have a hint if you want it. Sure. Yeah. All right, the hint is the area code is 281. So we are, our host is from Houston. Um, there's a space station in Houston and there's one in, uh, Florida. I don't believe the space station is in Houston, Neil. It is not? No. Then why is there a problem, Jeff? <laughs> NASA, NASA's in Houston. They're, oh. They're calling Houston. Hammer, hammer drop. <laughs> there is a, there is a space station in Houston. So I'm No, thinking, no, the space station is in space, Neil. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying. I'm talking about where they launched the rockets from. That's what I meant. Where they launched also rockets. Also not Houston. <laughs> Someone's launching rockets in Houston, and that's probably the Astros. I was going to say the the basketball team. Um, so uh, Kelly, I'm thinking somewhere in Texas or somewhere in Florida. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I'm trying to remember where in Florida the the uh, what, do, what do you call it? Not a space station. Then what's it called? Where the rockets are, Jeff? Well, it's like it's Cape Canaveral, right? Cape Canaveral, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't remember if the space area is in Dallas or either Dallas or somewhere in Florida or Houston. I don't know. Okay, let's uh, just go with Houston. Okay. Yep, we had a problem with this question, and uh, we went with Houston. And it is Houston. <laughs> so you're you're ribbing me over here, and I I'd, I'd say Houston the whole time, and you're making yeah. me question myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a strategy, Neil. Um, so. <laughs> I think it's uh, Cape Canaveral is the Kennedy Space Center, I believe is what they call it. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have a better name for it. So, Okay, uh, regulation is now over. It looks like QT's Aussie accent. Uh, me and Jeff have 190. And uh, Neil and Kelly, 170 over at Queen Gertrude's Traps. 
Uh, before we throw it over to Matt uh, for the final round, uh, make sure to join us over at The Crop where you can interact with other listeners when we drop episodes every Tuesday or bonus episodes uh, on Wednesdays or Fridays, uh, different or points. whenever I feel like it. Or whenever Jeff feels like it. <laughs> They're bonus. Uh, and yeah, we have a lot of um, fun conversations over there and we uh, that's where we announce all of our new Patreon supporters and uh, there's some questions of the week and polls that Matt puts up. Uh, our Matt. Uh, he yeah, these polls are getting crazy. I love them. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. So join us <laughs> over there. Interactions from our listeners. Sometimes they drop questions in too. Yep. Questions, it's comments, fun. pictures. Uh, it's everything you, you dreamed of. Uh, we're almost at 600. So uh, if you join, put us over 600, that'd be great. And uh, one more thing, Jeff was talking about the ratings on iTunes. We're almost at 200 ratings. So if you'd uh, like to take the time to give us a rating, uh, we would love five stars if, if we're uh, worthy of it. And uh, if not, we still appreciate your rating because we'd like to get up to 200 ratings. Yeah. So, uh, not only uh, rate, but also review would be very helpful. Um, we uh, we do appreciate that. And uh, as we said on another episode, uh, we are known as... Three Fun Guys and Their Friend. Three Fun Guys and Their Friend. <laughs> so we're waiting to see um, which one of us is the friend, yeah. although I think we all know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> three fun guys, a friend, and a podcast. Yeah. Let's get uh, the final round going. What are the categories? All right, so the categories for the final round are Somebody Once Told Me, The World Is Gonna Roll Me, I Ain't the Sharpest, Tool in the Shed. Well, I hope at the end of this we're not looking kind of dumb, Ken, so. (laughs) Okay, the wages are all in at this point, so let's get the questions for the final round. All right, question number one, uh, category is Somebody Once Told Me. In Thor Ragnarok, we meet a vile villain named Hela. She is presented as the firstborn daughter of Odin and the sister of Thor and Loki. But it turns out she really isn't Odin's daughter. According to Norse mythology, who is Hela or Hel's real father? All right. Question number two, the world. The world is actually tilted on its axis, known to scientists and astronomers as the Earth's obliquity, and allows the Earth to have seasons as it rotates. The tilt is caused by the distribution of mass on the planet, and with all the glaciers in the northern point of the globe, Earth is a bit top-heavy. But by how many degrees is the Earth tilted? Question number three is going to roll me. Sushi is a popular food all over the world, originating in Japan. It was first created to preserve fish and fermented rice. Today, there are tons of different sushi rolls from the California to the Shaggy Dog. But in what century was the first sushi roll served? And question number four, I ain't the sharpest. Cheddar cheese is the second most popular cheese in the United States and comes pretty close to being first. But what cheese, which Americans consume 11.72 pounds per capita per year, reigns supreme? And finally, question number five, tool in the shed. Synthetic diamonds are created using intense heat and pressure on a seed diamond to grow. These diamonds are used in a lot of industrial applications, including cutting tools. And in the 1950s, the first industrial diamond was put up for sale by what powerful company that is still around today? Okay, great questions. We're going to think about these answers and get back to you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off. An eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. 
We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Through the power of editing, we have come up with our answers in mere seconds. Wow. So let's uh, <laughs> so fast. Let's go over these answers. Alrighty, question number one. Somebody once told me, in uh, Thor Ragnarok, we meet a vile villain named Tella. She is presented as the firstborn daughter of Odin and the sister of Thor and Loki, but it turns out she really isn't Odin's daughter. According to Norse mythology, who is Hela or Hel's real father? All right. Man, I'm pretty mad uh, because I looked at a family tree of the whole Norse uh, mythology before, and I just cannot remember. Or, like, maybe it was a frost giant, but we couldn't remember their names, so... We just said maybe Loki was the dad. Uh, yeah. What'd you wager? <laughs> Sigma Mori Povich style. <laughs> you Loki, are the father. you are the father for 20 <laughs> points. 20 points. Uh, yeah, we wagered 30 points uh, all the way down. We just decided to go big or go home. Uh, and this is uh, really the only one that I knew off the top of my head. Uh, the Norse mythology family tree is pretty crazy when it comes to Loki because uh, he's a trickster. And Loki is Hela's father, I believe. And that is correct. Loki is the father of Hela. I think her mother is like some giant who also gave birth to like a horse with six legs. So North mythology's got some wild, wild stories. Alrighty, number two, the world. The world is actually tilted on its axis, known to scientists and astronomers as the Earth's obliquity. It allows Earth to have a season as it rotates. The tilt is caused by the distribution of mass on the planet. And with all the glaciers in the northern point of the globe, Earth is a bit top heavy. But by how many degrees is the Earth tilted? I couldn't remember exactly. We wagered 20 on this, as we did for all of them. Um, I kind of felt like it was 22 degrees, and so that's what we went with, 22 degrees. Uh, yeah, we wagered 30 again, and I think I remember this as being 23 and a half degrees. And it is 23 and a half degrees. Nice. Close, Jeff. So close. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, number three is going to roll me. Sushi is a popular food all over the world, originating in Japan. It was first created to preserve fish and fermented rice. Today, there are tons of different sushi rolls from the California to the Shaggy Dog. But in what century was the first sushi roll served? All right. Again, 20 points on this question. And uh, I thought maybe, uh, you know, more traditionally, it was served nigiri style and they were trying to hide the fish from the GIs um, to make it more palatable. So we said the 20th century. Uh, yeah, we wagered 30 again. Um, Kelly had said that he thought maybe it was more recent than you would believe, and we were going back and forth between the 20th and the 19th century. Oh, my God. 
Neil uh, Neil shot his way down south for uh, a quick spell. For a spell. Oh my god. <laughs> take your limitless pill neil i did not but i don't sometimes that happens with I, there's so many weird accents in my head and sometimes they neil, just, did you take your limited pill i did take my my limited two pill which is where i i uh, take a pill and i dress up in clothing from limited two um yeah so we, we we weren't sure if it was between the 20th or the 19th century and uh, we went with 20th so the uh, official uh, invention after north seawood um, seaweed, sorry, was in uh, the 18th century, and then right after about that, maybe two or three years later, the uh, first sushi roll served. So it's the 18th century. Mm. Alrighty, question number four. I ain't the sharpest. Cheddar cheese is the second most popular cheese in the United States and comes in pretty close to first. But what cheese, which Americans consume 11.72 pounds per capita per year, reigns supreme? All right, we were going back and forth with a couple of options here, again, for 20 points. Uh, we talked about uh, Colby Jack cheese. We talked about American cheese, Swiss cheese. And then I was like, you know what? Pizza is a thing. And we said mozzarella. Yeah, we also went back and forth a little bit, but ended up just settling on American cheese. So this cheese that uh, reigns supreme is, in fact, mozzarella cheese. Oh, reigns supreme. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yep, and then number five, tool in the shed. Synthetic diamonds are created using intense heat and pressure on a seed diamond to grow, and these diamonds are used in a lot of industrial applications, including cutting tools. In the 1950s, the first industrial diamond was put up for sale by what powerful company that is still around today? We know a uh, powerful uh, football team is Da Bears, so we said Da Beers. Um, yeah, we, we were actually, it was funny, Callie had said, uh, maybe De Beers, um, and then we kind of talked about power tool companies, uh, and I think, I don't know if we were on the wrong track there, but we went with the power tool company and, uh, we said Black and Decker. So the correct answer is actually General Electric. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So that's the game. Looks like at the end of everything, uh, Queen Gertrude's traps just did not lift enough. Sorry, guys. But QT's Aussie accent did pull through today to be the cream of the crop with 170 points. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Yeah, great game. Yeah, um, you guys had a respectable 140, but... Uh, yeah, we could have gone zero, but I feel like we did really well. We did better than I thought we were at those questions, and we just uh, came up a little bit short, um, unfortunately. I so got to do more shrugs next time. More shrugs. <laughs> Callie, I, I know uh, you weren't uh, signed up for this, but uh, now Ken and Jeff both get to uh, dip their, their blades in poison and stab us. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On Patreon only, though. I thought, we were, just gonna, I thought we were just going to do foot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, See, that, that would be a worse pain than a, a poison blade well, for me. If, you're, if you'd like, I'll load up a shotgun with rock salt and we can get going. But I'm going to play a little footsie under the table with Neil in a minute here. Oh, God. Um, well, uh, Callie, you were awesome teammate thank you so much for uh taking the time to play with me today and um and also you know supporting the show on patreon but uh any shout outs you'd like to give any anyone you'd like to say hi to um no i uh, thank you so much for having me i had a blast um just Good. hi to my family awesome yeah, yeah thank so you much. for listening to the show and being a supporter yeah yeah and matt great game today thank you so much for writing yes. that for us it was a lot of fun um, I'll just shout out uh, to my family as well as my friend Brett, who'll probably be listening, and then uh, my friends Cole and Luke as well, who'll be uh, checking out the episode. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us and for your support. Uh, for my colleagues in the studio, Jeff and Neil, I guess Matt is somewhere. 
My name is Ken, and that was Triviality. <laughs>